start. Uh, I want to save time, even though only a few are here, but let's just uh, uh, save some time. Um, I'd like to talk to us today about the present commission of the Lord's recovery. Um, the, um, or you may say, uh, uh, perhaps with a possible slight a bit of um, um, uh, exaggerated speaking, maybe, uh, the uh, our commission of the age uh, of of, uh, of this time. Uh, the Lord's recovery uh, not only uh, uh, we need to have a vision of the age, right? We need to see a vision um, of this age, just like in every age, uh, in time past, in, in, in God's um, economy, uh, God has a particular work to do. And uh, you need to see that in order to join yourself to it and become useful. You would be aligned with God in what he was doing in that age. Otherwise, you can be doing different things and you would be missing the boat. Uh, talking about the boat, uh, one such uh, case is the time of Noah. If you're at the time of Noah, you have to uh, have a vision of what God was doing in that age. Well, what was God doing in that age? To build the ark. That was it. That was the time for 400 years long, at least um, with Noah, he was building this ark. It's actually not a boat. It is a floating vessel. Um, forget about uh, what that uh, is a type of Christ and all of this. Um, that was God's work. And there has to be other people doing different things at the time. Uh, but God's unique work was to build that ark. Um, and if you do not join yourself to this, uh, you are not doing the God's work at that age. And so it went on um, with the different, um, in different ages, God would have um, a particular work to be done. So you have to see that vision and align yourself with it, that vision. And so today, in this age, we need to ask the question, what is God doing in this age? Something specific, something particular. Not according to your imagination, not according to your zeal, but according to God's ordination, God's timing, God's sovereignty, God's plan. So um, then number two, we need to see what is the ministry of that age. In order to fulfill or carry out God's vision in a particular age, he needs to uh, have a ministry. Uh, ministry means a, 
a service or a work uh, to accomplish that vision. And so uh, back to the Noah in that age, um, there was a ministry. The ministry was with Noah. Uh, that ministry uh, um, in his preaching of the righteousness, in his erection of that uh, ark, is that work, is that service that belonged to that age. And uh, you may not be Noah, but you should be with Noah. You should be one with that particular ministry of that age in order to carry out the work of that age. Then, number three, uh, to carry out that ministry, God needs certain ministers. That means persons. Again, back in the age of Noah, Noah was that person. Now you say, I, I don't like the guy. Well, tough, all right? I'm going to say tough. Because it's not whether you like the guy or not. It is the one that God has raised as a particular vessel to carry out that ministry in that age. And so what we need to learn is to submit to that God's uh, selection, God's choosing, um, and um, um, be one with that person to carry that uh, work out in order to um, fulfill um, that ministry. So, um, in Paul's time, let's say, in Paul's time, um, uh, in the apostles' times, um, uh, Paul was that person. Uh, he was the one who completed the word of God. He was the one who was given uh, the revelation of the mystery of the ages. He was the one who um, made that known uh, to the Gentiles. Um, there were other so-called apostles, other so-called preachers uh, doing something, preaching something. Yes, they were. Even Paul acknowledged that. But in that age... What God wants to do, God raised up this particular vessel to fulfill that part of the ministry in God's economy. And you have to be one with Paul. You see, you have to uh, join in with the work that he was doing. And certain churches did that and certain saints did that. And by doing so, they partake in grace, that work of the Lord at that time. So uh, I think these things we should all have some knowledge about. And uh, then I would like to add uh, uh, that uh, in that particular age, following that vision and uh, with that ministry, there is a particular commission uh, that God would give to uh, his people um, to, to execute, to carry out. And so um, 
today we have to ask the question, uh, what is God doing? And where is that ministry? And who are the ministers? And what is our present commission? Um, there are uh, today uh, many Christian works. There are many Christian ministers. Now, there are all kinds of commissions here and there. But what is the Lord doing? Especially at the end of these 2,000 years since the church began. Um, we, have to, we have to see that. And uh, we also have to say um, forthrightly and um, honestly, uh, at least I have to say it, that um, we have received the vision of this age. Um, the Lord today is doing one thing. Actually, of course, this is the work of the ages, but in this particular time, the Lord's heart's desire is to build up his body. Am I right? Uh, the church's body and to prepare um, a bride, a bride for himself. Uh, and also to usher in or bring in his kingdom. Uh, just put it in a very uh, um, uh, simple way. And all this have to do, have to do with what? Have to do with the ending of this age and the uh, bringing in of the next age. Uh, this sounds very, very pompous, sounds very, very uh, high, but it is in the Bible. Uh, it is in the word and it has come to us and we have to face it, we have to reckon with it. And with that uh, vision, which is a very high vision that we have received, and I must say, from the very beginning, that is the vision that the recovery has identified with. In fact, it is out of such a vision that the recovery was born um, as a continuation of the Lord's past works in the past ages. Because none of these works of the Lord throughout the ages are standalone works. They are a what? They are a long, long process of God's one flow and one stream and one work, except there are different segments and different stages or ages. So, um, the ministry, therefore, that we are of this age uh, actually is not a different ministry than the ministry of Paul. You see? Uh, except Paul was 2,000 years ago and has many things have 
happened since that time. Uh, for example, the last 2,000 years were filled with um, a degradation, a fall from that vision. Uh, that vision was actually lost, gone. Uh, nobody cares to build up the body. In fact, the body was cut up into millions of pieces. Uh, who talks about the bride today? Right? They may say the church is Christ's wife, you know, husband, love your wife, and so forth. But what about where is this wife? How is this wife going to come into being? Uh, do you think in the, the situation we're in today, then poof, uh, the, the, the bride will appear? You really believe that? Uh, uh, and and um, what about the bringing of the kingdom, the defeat of the enemy? Um, it is not just um, the fulfillment of certain prophecies when 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 this happened to Jerusalem when when the temple is built then then the Lord will come those are the outward signs of the end of this age and of the Lord's uh, parousia the Lord's coming back but those people look for those signs they study those signs they predict things but the Lord would come back to what what would the Lord come back to? Right? So, uh, the outward temple may be rebuilt. But what about the real temple? Uh, that is his body. Is that built? And how much of that is built? The Lord is coming as the bridegroom. Well, where is that grown up and mature lady or woman or bride that would match him, right? The world wants a kingdom. Where is the place where the Lord can freely rule and reign as such? So, um, you see, um, this is what the Lord, something that the Lord still have to do. Then, as far as, uh, 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 so the ministry today um, should be part of that New Testament ministry, right? As a continuation even of Paul's ministry. Practically, practically, that ministry has come over time, over time, these 2,000 years, um, to our uh, understanding, to the ministry of these two brothers before us. And I'm talking about um, Brother Watchman Nee and Brother Witness Lee. You may say that we are being uh, narrow, you know, we're, we're very narrow when we talk this way. Now, how can you say just this two men? How about so-and-so, so-and-so, uh, different people? Uh, in a moment, I'm going to talk about Billy Graham. Uh, 
there are different ministers and there are different uh, gifts that the Lord has given to the body that the Lord has used or the Lord has used uh, to uh, carry out his certain needs at different times. But what I'm here talking about is really the central, the central lane, the central ministry. You follow me? What about that? And I like to just question who have seen these things, who are in full line alignment with the Apostle Paul. Where is a ministry that is so inclusive, a ministry that is so, we call it all-inclusive, we call it all-inheriting. That means it is based on all the past ministries standing on the shoulders of the past ministers and going all the way back to Paul's times, the apostles' times. Um, Where is a ministry that is balanced in all ways? Well, I don't know about you, and I read a bunch of books, and I have quite a library myself. I will tell you that with, without uh, um, any kind of, of a bias, without any kind of um, prejudice, uh, with objectivity, of all the things I read, the ministry of these two brothers combined, and I have a lot to say about these two men being actually one person and one ministry. Um, is that ministry, all right? Is that ministry? And... Um, I mean, look at these footnotes, huh? Yes. I mean, forget about the Bible. The Bible is the Bible. I don't care what version you use. Uh, just look at the footnotes. In other words, the interpretation of the Word of God. Uh, today's, uh, since Paul's time, um, uh, since the Apostles' time, the Word was completed. Um, the last one was John. John, the Apostle, finished everything. After that, no one can add one thing. No one can take away another thing. Am I right? The word was complete. So that no one can write another Bible. No one can add to the Bible. The Bible was finished. But it was finished, but nobody know what it's talking about. And that's why uh, at BFA, we, we coined this term, a Bible you can understand. Uh, that means everyone has the Bible and few really understand what the Bible is talking about. And without interpretation, like what Philip did with the um, uh, uh, eunuch, uh, he wouldn't understand. He, read, he, he was reading Isaiah about the lamb, right? Led to the slaughter. But he said, I don't know what he's talking about until Philip showed up and, and show him the gospel. This is about Christ, etc., etc. Then he realized and he got baptized. So 
Today, it is not about writing the Bible again. This is about the proper, full, and complete interpretation of the word that we already have. All right? And this uh, uh, properly uh, uh, interpreted word, properly uh, explained word, um, I will tell you, this... this um, completely interpreted word uh, is that ministry that we're under today. Okay, brothers and sisters, I, I, I say this, I, I, I fear that even some of us are not so sure about this. Uh, well, well, uh, are you so bold to say this? Well, I'm very bold to say this. I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to apologize for anything. I say this boldly. And if you have something better, show me. Okay? I, I've done my homework. So, but still, you can challenge me. Um, trust me, brothers, I have done much study myself. Okay? I'm not just here saying something that, you know, uh, uh, secondhand or, or just uh, repeating something. No, no. I myself is a very convicted person. And, um, and so these brothers, um, the Lord uh, uh, sovereignly picked them and chose them, you know, two Chinese guys, you know. I, I, I don't know why. I'm Chinese. So you can say, well, you're proud, you know, you... you you, you, you're racially biased or whatever you want to say. Um, I, I, beg, I, beg your, I beg your uh, uh, pardon, okay? Uh, th there's no such thing here. I, 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 I never thought about Chinese or, or, or whatever uh, uh, race. Um, uh, it, it's who God chose. I mean, once upon there was a Galilean. And uh, a carpenter's son, okay? Now you say, hey, <laughs> no way this guy, okay? You want to know the stuff? Go to Jerusalem. That's where you'll find the real experts, okay? The theologians are there. The, uh, the uh, Bible teachers are there. The priests are there. The elders are there. That's where you're going to find them. No way. You know, God just like to what? Do the unexpected. God is uh, always... Confounding the wise with the simple. God never cares for the highborn. God is here to surprise us. And that's how people, what? Got stumped. You see? They miss, they miss it. And then the person, the Lord, standing in front of them, they miss the whole thing. They miss the whole thing. This is the real thing. The real person. And, and, and they miss him entirely. Entirely. They even would research the scriptures, but they won't come to him. So this has happened over and over and over again. So, uh, dear saints, um, uh, I need to speak this again as a kind of a uh, um, strengthening to you all, as a confirmation to you all.
that we are not blindly following some uh, two Chinese guys, all right? We're not here um, um, uh, just narrow-minded and just got just, just so, so um, uh, what, myopic, you know, in, in our understanding of things. No, I tell you from the beginning, we, meaning the Lord's recovery, study the best, the best, shall I say the best of the West, meaning the Christian tradition of the West is the main tradition for hundreds of years. We study that. We know that. We know who the players are. We know who the main figures are. We study their biographies. We study the theologies. We study the prophecies. We study the practices. We study the teachings and doctrines. And uh, Mr. Nee, Brother Lee, had this particular uh, capacity from the Lord to filter out all the wrong and all the erroneous and all the deviant, uh, but keeping all that is proper. You see what I'm saying? All that is scriptural, all that is uh, orthodox. And that itself is a great, great job, you know, that you and I cannot do. And not only so, based on that and the studying of the best, uh, I mean, if there's a best, it would be the brethren. It would be the British brethren. They were the best. And the teachers of that age, uh, mainly uh, these are British people or people in England. We study all of that. Even to this day, we would not be here without them. We stand squarely on their shoulders. We study the inner life of people, right? From William Law down, uh, uh, all the way to Andrew Murray, even all the way, actually, to T. Austin Sparks. All these ones who brought in the recovery of the inward subjective experiences of Christ in different aspects. So we are not just people who are into prophecies. We're not people into this or that. We are, we are balanced. We even studied the Pentecostal movement and gained certain uh, good things from that because the Pentecostal movement was a reaction to the deadness of those who are stuck in the dead doctrines. It was a reaction of that. So there's something to that. So... Um, so we can say this, what we have today is all-inclusive, all-inheriting, and balanced. And I, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm always constantly pinching myself, you know, pinching myself and say, can it be that I am reading this stuff, you know? Uh, that I have this kind of view and understanding of the word of God, of the interpret, the, the word of God is so interpreted to me. I mean, I mean, it, it, why me, why us? We're not special people. We're not better people. But that has 
come in this way. So I have nothing else to do but get into it. To have the full knowledge of the truth. Now, with our aligning with God's vision, with our oneness with this ministry, with our receiving from the ministers, there comes a commission. God does not give revelation for nothing. God does not reveal himself vainly. Every time God appears, he appears for a reason. In the Old Testament and in the New. And that is, he needs to carry out something. So when the Lord would open these things to us in such a great, gracious way and merciful way, there is a vision that comes with this. And you will ask, what is our present commission? I would say our present commission is to make all these things, these riches, this word, this interpreted word, known to people. Do you agree with me? Do 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 you agree with me that we are we have this responsibility that, that we have uh, this obligation um, so today I would say the what we need to Um, speak out what we need to uh, teach, what we need to give forth is nothing short of the full gospel of God which really is the the, uh, apostles teaching in the New Testament according to God's economy this full gospel And we, in the recovery, have this obligation. You know, to whom more is given, more is required. If you know little, you just be faithful to that little. But if you have been given more, you have to be faithful to that much. Now I'd like to say something about our brother, dear brother, Billy Graham. Um, Because his death is still fresh uh, just two months ago or, right? And um, I bring up Billy Graham because he, to me, is the last of a line of a true evangelist and a servant of the Lord. And I say this with admiration and with respect. 
Um, I'm not saying he's perfect. Nobody is perfect. He's flawed, just like all of us are flawed. He made his share of mistakes. In fact, there are certain things that I would not agree with. Uh, in his generosity and liberality and heart, you know, a true evangelist has the biggest heart for man. In his burden to speak the gospel to all men, to humanity, he opened that door a little bit too wide. <laughs> the means, be, uh, the, the, the end begins to justify the means in the sense that he would work with even uh, uh, people who are modernists, people who are, really don't believe the whole Bible, or people of other faiths, so to speak, as long as he can preach to people, Billy Graham would do. His heart is that big. So I admire his heart. But in terms of his association with so many of these different kinds, just to carry out the work, I would say that, is, that door is a little bit too, too big. Uh, bringing in a certain kind of a mixture. And there are other things. Uh, uh, that would not be really in line with God's economy and uh, would even be a distraction uh, to God's people. And I'm not here to uh, be down on him or, or critis- be critical of him, but I'm just telling you, uh, sharing with you in a very open way. But I will tell you one thing. Our brother was faithful to what the Lord has commissioned to him. And what is that? That is the basic gospel. The pure gospel of grace. The hailing of the cross of Jesus. And the preaching of that redemption. um, Accomplished by Christ's death. Um, His speaking about that in an uncompromising way. While other evangelists or televangelists and people of that ilk would bring in all kinds of things to adulterate that message, to uh, bring in mixture to that word, Generally speaking, Billy Graham kept it straight and narrow. Uh, One time, he testified. He said uh, he gave a a sermon or whatever, a preaching. And afterwards, he checked with one of his uh, uh, associates and asked him about how was his speaking. And that person said, Billy, in this whole preaching, it was good, but you, have, you did not mention the cross once. And that convicted Billy Graham. From then on, every message he gave, the cross is included. I mean, just give you an example. But then I will tell you, talking about the cross, how much has Billy Graham seen concerning the truth of that cross. I would tell you also, very limited. 
the cross that Billy Graham knew is a cross of the of Jesus on the cross, dying as the Lamb of God to shed His blood for our forgiveness of sins, to reconcile us back to God. Am I right? For our justification before God, and so that we may receive eternal life. John three sixteen is his favorite verse. Uh, God gave his only begotten son, right? Giving is to die on the cross. That by believing and receiving him, we would have eternal life and not enter into perdition. And uh, that's the cross he knew. But actually, if you study the whole New Testament, the cross did much more than that. Much more than just saving us sinners. That cross, what? Defeated Satan. Am I right? That cross, on the cross, Satan's head was crushed. That cross terminated the entire old creation. Am I right? That cross is actually the place where Christ created the new creation. The one new man. Uh, uh, And so on and so forth. I'm just using that just as a small example to show us brothers and sisters that while our brother preached the genuine gospel, that gospel was not a complete gospel or the full gospel of God. But he was faithful. He was faithful to the end. And for that, God will reward him. Compare to the so-called evangelists of the day. I tell you, no comparison. Another thing that I admire him very much is what? Is his integrity. His integrity. I mean morally. You know how the scandals, the shame that is brought to the Lord's name by so many so-called servants of God giving Christianity in general uh, a huge big black eye. Am I right? Um, uh, Becoming the scorn and the object of ridicule, and rightly so, by these so-called leaders, uh, fall and failure publicly. Yet, Billy Graham has kept himself in this regard. Let me tell you, that is not a small testimony. That backs up his preaching. For, for, for example. So, um, I, read, I read Billy Graham. I study him to some extent. And for sure, in the 20th century, uh, and in terms of numbers of converts, of people that, he, uh, that has heard the gospel, there would be no rival in the last 2,000 years. The number of countries that he went to and the number of people he, 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 
he preached to and gotten saved. And you know, the number is not just people sitting in the stadium, but sitting in front of that television. How many have gotten saved because of that word? So, he discharged his, uh, what? What God has commissioned to him in a faithful manner. I'm so happy, so encouraged that at the very least, uh, the government, this administration, well, not only this administration, but the Congress, would at least allow this man to lie in honor for a couple of days there under the rotunda in the Capitol. If I were living in D.C., I would have gone there to pay my respects. I would. Um, And I watched the proceeding of that time where the president was there uh, uh, who spoke and uh, the uh, Senate Majority Leader spoke and the House Speaker spoke. Um, In a way that comforts me um, that so many of these leaders of this country evidently are, are Christians. I don't say this easily. I don't say this lightly. This means something as far as the USA is concerned. You show me another country where they will do this. As bad as where the state of the society, as bad as the state of this country is, morally and otherwise, there is still something there. Still something there that acknowledge God, the word of God, the gospel of God. And at his funeral, his son, Franklin Graham, who has now inherited his mantle, actually used that funeral to preach the gospel that his dad preached to everyone who was there. These are all leaders. Leaders of the government, of the industry, and so on. He was just letting it rip, okay? He was preaching that, 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 that gospel that his father preached in a bold way. I was happy about that. I don't know whether I have the bonus to do that. But Billy Graham is dead. That signifies a closing of a chapter, even in in contemporary Christianity. Not only in the U.S., but I would say worldwide. Some of you don't know that the impact of Billy Graham is not only felt in the U.S., but all over. Possibly in certain countries, more so than in this country. Their admiration, uh, the, the, the help they receive from this, uh, this man of God. 
So here I am not touting a man, neither I am criticizing a man. I am telling you the state of affairs. Then when I saw all this and I was reading all this, the question arose in me is, now what? Now what? What does this world need now? Who will preach the gospel now? What is God's work now? And what am I to do or we to do now? That is a very, very solemn question. We, the Lord's recovery, is exceedingly small. We're minuscule compared to some of these churches or denomination and so on. But my brothers and sisters, I like to tell you, we have a commission. And that is not based on how good we are. That is based on what the Lord has given to us, which we cannot deny. Let us look at the world situation, the U.S. situation. I think we would all agree that these are not ordinary times. Politically, economically, In many, many ways, you know, 911 was a turning point of the U.S. Some of you don't even know 911, right? And we say the war, World War III, has begun. It's called the War on Terror. I tell you. Today, the state of affairs is what is much worse than 911 times, days. I mean, every day you read the newspaper, things are happening in a way that have, would have grave consequences on the security right, of this world, the safety of, the, of its inhabitants. The whole world order is now switching and changing. Morally, my goodness, it is 
plunging down a cliff. Society, in this society. And I did a full study, some of you know, a full study of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. On this thing that today we call homosexuality. Not from a political standpoint, obviously. Not even from a so-called ethical standpoint. But entirely from a biblical standpoint. From the scriptural standpoint, which is from God's standpoint. And the study made me realize that these are not happenstance. These are not just some bad things happening to our kids. All right? Some bad things happening to our society. But there is really, from day one, from the beginning, a deliberate agenda to destroy mankind. Through these things. Through moral corruption, through moral deviancy. And I'm not here, please, standing here as some kind of, uh, what do you call it, um, conservative Bible thumper, okay? Forget about that. Forget about that. I merely read the Word of God with the help of this dear ministry. And it is just plain. I tell you, in, let me just cite one thing. That is in Genesis chapter 6. Talk about the days of Noah. You know, the Lord says, when I come, those will be like what? The days of Noah, for reason. Why not any other days? Just the days of Noah. Because those days are special. And so you have to go to study Noah's days. It says in those days, you go to chapter 6, that the angels, these are the fallen angels, would come and take human females to violate God's natural order of things. To have relationship and out of that Nephilims were born. These giants. That crossing of the line Of two different species, if you will. Maybe the earliest mentioning 
of this kind of deviancy. And it says at that time, the world was filled. The, the world was defined by what? Lawlessness. Lawlessness. And it is also characterized by violence. Okay? Violence. So you have here severe moral depravity. You have violence. That means people killing each other. And the general's scene is one of lawlessness. You may recall that man of mystery. There's something called the mystery of lawlessness in 1 Thessalonians. That if it is not restrained today, things will be a lot worse. And that time will come where the restraint is off and this whole earth will be taken over. I studied Sodom and Gomorrah, which is not just in Genesis. It's in Peter. It's in Jude. Speaking about the last days. I tell you, the evil spirits are at work. The demons are at work. Don't think this is all just some human political struggle here. You know, disagreement here. You're wrong. There is an evil agenda against God. You've got to push God entirely out of view. You've got to sear your conscience to do a lot of these things, to commit lawlessness. This is the world we're living in. I am not here exaggerating things, my brothers and sisters. What is our job? What is our work then? I would say, on the one hand, we should live Christ. Amen? And be the testimony of Jesus. That is what our church life is about. And I would say we are not entirely up to standard. In the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. We have one more thing to do. We need to hold forth 
the word of life. To be the luminaries, to be those heavenly bodies, to be that salt and to be that light that we are. And here we not only have the basic gospel of escaping eternal damnation, we have a full gospel of God. With what? With not only redemption, but with God's full salvation. Unto the revelation of the sons of God in glory. With the building up of the Lord's body for his expression. With the defeat of Satan. By that testimony. And with the ushering in of the Lord's kingdom. These are not just uh, flowery spiritual words. Brothers and sisters, these are in the Bible. If you believe the Bible, you have to believe the whole Bible. Don't have a Jeffersonian Bible, okay? Jefferson just cuts out what he doesn't like. That's his, the Jeffersonian version of the Bible. The Savior God's desire is that all men would be saved. But it doesn't stop there. And come to the full knowledge of the truth. Now, not all men will, but it is God's desire that all men will. But how would they know? How would they have that full knowledge of the truth if they are not told? If they don't, cannot access it, they are not given it. So I would like to say, dear saints, not our commission is not only locality by locality all over the earth becoming the Lord's testimony, the lampstands, the golden lampstands. Our commission is to tell the world of this whole truth. And I will tell you, this truth is given to us in this ministry. So far, do you agree with me? 
wow, you say you, you are, goodness, you, you are really way out there, you know? I mean, oh, I thought I'd just get saved. I have a little nice church life, my little home meeting, you know, praise the Lord. Uh, I'll be very happy. Well, you're happy, but God is not. This morning I talk about God needs worshipers. We are so easily satisfied by our own small needs being met and neglecting God having a great need that still needs to be met. The Savior God desires. Who will meet that desire? I personally, as a little minister and a small servant of the Lord, am very clear why I am here and what I am to do for the rest of my life, which is diminishing rather quickly. You know, the older you get, the quicker the time flies by. And I'm staring already at the end. I need to make every day count. I must redeem the time. I must do what is central and not what is peripheral. And I have no other things to do but this that the churches in the Lord's recovery would become the corporate, that corporate expression of Christ. And also that this word, this interpreted word, this great, these great truths that have been given to us could be disseminated to as many people as possible. This is why, I will tell you here, the Lord covers me, when we started Bibles for America, to give away Bibles. You say, well, how many people did you bring into the church through these Bibles? Well, number one, I cannot tell you because I don't know. But number two, I will tell you, even if nobody came into the recovery because of these Bibles, I'm still going to give it out. Our dear brother Lee said something that I live by. He said, actually, I don't care for the increase. I care for all of God's children to be nourished and fed by the food. And I believe that out of so many 
that will contact this ministry and this truth. Some will be the real seekers. They have an activated homing device looking for home. Looking for God's purpose. And such ones will need our shepherding, our care. Am I right? Our concern. Not just to, so to speak, bring them to our group, but to bring them into God's heart's desire. Let them see it and let them make their decision. None of us are here because someone twisted our arms. We're here because we saw something. Am I right? We're touched by something that makes God's heart beat. That's why we're here. And there will be many like this. If uh, all the television stations and media outlets will give me five seconds one night to speak to all Americans. That will never happen, but you trust me, I'm gonna have this Bible with me. And I'm gonna say, believe in Jesus and read this Bible. Is it five seconds? (laughs) That's about it, right? And then with a screen down below, (laughs) bfa.org. Dear brothers and sisters, now I'd like to make a little pivot. What time is it? 5.05. I'd like to make a little pivot to talk to you about our history in the United States to give you some context of where we are as far as fulfilling this particular commission. The Lord's recovery started here officially, if you will, in 1962 when Brother Witness Lee, led by the Lord, decided to remain in this country and not to return to Taiwan. He has been in China and Taiwan ministering shoulder to shoulder with Watchman Nee and then uh, for, uh, excuse me, for 20 years and then 10 years on his own in the island of Taiwan, about 30 years total. And then after that, the Lord led him to come to this country, a country that he had no plan to come to. Way back in the 30s, a sister who had been to this country and know this country, USA, would go back and say, Witness Lee, you need to go to America. America needs you, your ministry. He gave him a bunch of money to, for his passage 
uh, on a boat, on a ship to come here, and the living expenses for his family for X period of time. And Brother Lee never did it. Between he and Brother Nee, they have the common feeling that USA is way too worldly. So the contact was more on the European front where Brother Nee actually made two major visits to England in the early 30s and the late 30s. Actually, in the first visit, he was brought over to Canada. It was because that visit was hosted by the brethren, the close brethren. The second time he was hosted by T. Austin Sparks, and that's the time when he went to Kessie Convention and offered that famous prayer. Brother Nee was under Brother Lee, uh, Brother Lee was under Brother Nee serving and become clear about the, re- the Lord's recovery and in that period of time learning, serving under him and then the 10 years in Taiwan due to the political situation, Brother Nee stay in China never to come out again and eventually died there martyred there Brother Lee came out, out of God's sovereignty, of all the co-workers, he was the one selected and appointed to come out. I tremble to think that it would be another person that Brother Lee would send out. And all these years, I must tell you, Brother Brother Lee was not only faithful to the Lord, he was faithful to Watchman Nee. And that's a very important fact that you have to keep in your mind. That's why at another occasion, I want to talk to you about this twin ministry, which is actually one special ministry at the end of this age. From 1962 all the way to 1974 or thereabouts, about 12 years, the Lord's recovery was in a state of revival. And the spread and increase of the Lord was phenomenal. The growth rate was just like this. Exponential growth. Starting with 30-some people there, in LA, downtown LA, by the time of 1974, there were three, four thousand saints all over the country through migration. But right at that time, uh, on, it is unbelievable that a Chinaman, okay, a Chinaman, sorry, uh, would come here and the truth and life was able to conquer and subdue so many Americans in this top Christian country. That is not a small thing. 
the many Chinese pastors who came here, they all established Chinese churches. This is unique. And I won't get into it, all the timing, all the sovereignty of the Lord, all the details uh, in God's arrangement for these things to happen. Then, in the middle of the 70s, the enemy made his move by two things. Number one, by sowing among us certain ambitious ones. No good people. Their intention was to take over the Lord's recovery and make it their own. That led soon to a, our first major rebellion. And that rebellion was devastating in that it broke the momentum of the Lord's recovery. It took away our confidence and bonus that we had or the morale. It took away hundreds of young brothers and sisters that were gained in those years who most all are the local typical Americans, not the Asians, not that. Hundreds of them, both in Los Angeles, I mean, uh, Southern California area and in Boston area. In, a, in some ways, today we're still suffering from that. Number two, the frontal attack of opposition from Christianity. Thomas Nelson, CRI, and many other groups who jump on the bandwagon. Every week in those days you see a new article or a new book categorizing us amongst the cults. The cults. We became a cult then. And that work blockaded the spread of this ministry and of our gospel. It also took away the faith and the courage that we once possessed. And somewhat we went underground. This is to use my word. Brother Lee, in brief, went back to China, actually to Taiwan, for five years to study a way to bring the recovery out of that dormant situation, that deadened situation. Very burdened. And five years later, 
he came back with what we know today as the God-ordained way to build up the church, for all saints to function, the universal priesthood of the gospel. These are great, great matters. With a view to carry this out in America and in the West, well, it was not to happen because he came back to another major rebellion. This time, one that is worse than the first one. And so, our dear brother passed away in 1997 without um, seeing it happen. But before he passed away, his burden or his dream, his desire, is that there would be a revival in the Lord's recovery. A final revival, a great revival. He meant that. He meant that. A revival that should be greater than even the one we experienced in the 1960s and 70s. The only place where there was some success was in Russia. Russia. It was a marvelous work of the Lord to open up that country in a very small window of time. And we went there. And today you have thousands of saints and a couple of hundreds of churches. Now, of course, today things have even changed in Russia because that window actually had closed. It was the Lord's timing. Well, since then, it's been 20 years. Um, you would say, well, where are we then? Well, I would like to say this. My feeling is that the revival has not come yet, at least not in that way. But just like right now, March, I think the winter is coming to a close. And there should be a springtime ahead of us. And these 20 years were not lost years or wasted years. In these 20 years, a lot of wonderful things happened. Number one, after the Lord's servant died, you know what is the number one great thing that happened? The recovery did not fall apart. Now, that is not a small thing. You know, in the recovery, we're not an organized denomination, you know, with structure and everything, that nothing will fall apart. We're not held together by any organization. We're held together organically by truth and by life. Am I right? By this ministry. That held us together. 
to me, that is a miracle in itself. Many has predicted the implosion or explosion didn't happen. The recovery is still here, going on strong. The co-workers in the Lord's recovery took the way of blending. That's not a small thing. Amen? Amen. You don't know. I know because I'm one of them. I can testify to you that is not an easy and natural thing. They have to really take the way of the cross. They have to be in the spirit. They have to deny themselves. They have to take the way to be blended together as our brother has suggested to us. And this blending culture today has become prevalent among us. The third thing I will tell you is these seven feasts every year. These seven feasts are not small thing. These seven feasts, I will tell you, held the recovery together. By the nourishment of the word, by the continual releasing of the revelation, would you not agree with me that the, Lord, that the word among us is still not rare? Amen? Amen? Even Brother Lee is not here. That the word is continued to be developed. Even I'm amazed listening to the messages. This is not a small thing. And all that food become the staple of the churches today. And you know how rich these things are. Sometimes we don't, we couldn't even we're not quick enough to keep up, right, with what is coming out. The Lord resolved a few major hidden situations in the recovery in these 20 years. That is not a small thing. Major. Potential problems. And then in these 20 years also the Lord turned the hearts of some Christian leaders, including the organization that took the lead to oppose us in 1974 or 5. And that's Christian Research Institute. They took the lead to put out this, right, this, what, this, this uh, magazine called We Were Wrong. Now, never in a million years we believe that will happen. But through the Lord's work, through the brothers' um, patient contact, um, there were friends in the Christian realm who not only will not call us label as a cult, but would boldly, at a cost to themselves, declare that we are bona fide Christians brothers and sisters. Now you say today, well, what's the big deal? You have not been through the 70s, so you don't know. We have people coming to deprogram our young people in those days. Those were cult days, okay? The Lord's recovery is in the same pages, 
next to, in the, in the next chapter, of Jim Jones, the People's Temple. Have you heard of that? Many of you young people don't know. We're in Guyana, a whole bunch of them all were killed, m massacred. We were considered one of those. You, 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 don't, you cannot imagine the stigma that is put on us. Now, I'm not saying everyone agrees with our doctrine. No, that's not what I'm saying. But there is a what? An acknowledgement that we are true brothers and sisters in the Lord, which we are. In these 20 years, the Lord also have, through FTTA, which is a very great thing, the training, raised up several thousand saints who are in the ages of the 20s all the way to the 50s. Now, you know, the first batch who went to the training in the 80s, today are in 50 years old. Can you believe it? And some of here are in this audience. Let me tell you, that is not a small thing. I thank the Lord every day for the FTTA. Not because I teach there, but because of its contribution to the future of the Lord's recovery. There's a generation of, there's a next generation among us today, raised up in the last 20 years. That is not a small thing. We have something called GTCA, whatever you call them, that is a move of the Lord in the whole country to preach the gospel, to spread the truth, and to raise up churches. We have today over 300 full-timers serving in many teams and, and, and full-time teams here and there, mainly laboring on the campuses, the universities. Brothers and sisters, I am giving you a broad view of the situation. And here we are. Here we are in 2018. Four more years, the Lord's recovery would be celebrating its centennial. 100 years. 100 years. When I think about these things, I cannot help but give thanks to my God. This is not man's work. This is the Lord's recovery. Now, where should we go from here? Let's not talk about the world. Let's talk about these United States. Also, I mentioned in these years, the Lord's recovery spread 
to so many places, right? You know, Africa, you should all go and visit Ethiopia. You know, this, this fall, the Itro will be in Ethiopia. Are you going, Steve? <laughs> you better get your shots now. I just got mine. It takes, it takes three shots. Okay. <laughs> In Africa, Europe, our burden for Germany, you all realize, and we have sent over 70 saints that we were burdened for. We now have over 70 saints that have gone there uh, from this country. Uh, and other, some others from Taiwan direction and so on. So all of Europe, not just Germany. The South America situation, after some turmoil, is now stabilized. Not only in Brazil, but in the Spanish-speaking countries. The Lord's move in Asia is going on. In Southeast Asia, in South Asia, and in India, Today in India, the Lord's recovery is growing. In all those Middle Eastern areas, and now even in Israel, am I right? We have the Lord's testimony there. So the Lord is moving uh, globally. But my burden this afternoon talking to you, dear saints, is not about all of that, because most of us will probably not migrate to all these countries will be here. And indeed, I tell you, the base of the Lord's recovery is still the United States. And the United States must be strong, spiritually. We may not be big, but we must be strong. In truth, in life, in the gospel, there must be a model here still raised up. And I pray, I pray that a revival would come. Amen. Would you pray with me? Amen. You know, in Irvine, do you remember Lewis? Brotherly charged us to pray for that revival. This is 1994. And for a while, we really prayed for that. We need to continue to pray. I'm not talking about some Pentecostal type revival. I'm talking about a real revival. Which tonight I will say a word about in light of the remembrance of the Lord. I have something to say about that. Now, brothers, in these because of the, what we've been through in the United States, there has been setbacks. There has been a kind of dormancy that came in. There has been a loss of faith and confidence and boldness. Actually, dear saints, this country is open. Its people are open. The millennials are open. There are seekers in every generation, including this one. God seekers, truth seekers. In the universities with young people, especially, but even in the community with many of those young working 
population. Dear brothers and sisters, our commission is to pray and go. That's it. Pray and go. So I'd like to end my fellowship today on the gospel with something from the book of Acts. And if you read the book of Acts, particularly if you go to chapter 4, chapter 9, and one place in chapter 13, in the book of Acts, you'll find this word, boldness, mentioned. More than any other book, the word boldness. And every time, almost every time, when this word boldness is mentioned, it is associated with speaking the word. It's not about working miracles. It's about speaking the word. And so you have Peter and John being bold to speak and heal that man. You remember that? You have against the opposition, the church prayed and says after they prayed, they will fill with the Holy Spirit and there was a great shaking and they proceeded to speak the word of God with boldness. You have Paul after his conversion. His characteristic was that he's going out in and out of Jerusalem speaking the word with all boldness. Then that's what marked Paul as an apostle. And he was brought in by Barnabas into the fellowship. You have in chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas out there in certain city making known the word of God with all boldness and actually in Ephesians chapter 6 come to think of it Paul asked the believers to pray that a door would be open right and that he could speak the mysteries of God the mystery of the gospel with all boldness I like to say this, dear saints, the boldness is returning to the Lord's recovery Amen. in America. Amen. We are not hiding anymore. We are not in our bunkers anymore. We're not underground anymore. We are going to speak this word unapologetically, confidently, with boldness. Give away these Bibles with boldness. Speak a word to the people with boldness. No need to hide. No need to apologize. This is what they need. This is what they want. Now I'm not saying go and blast them. That would be greatly unwise. But I am saying that if we don't speak, how would they hear? If they don't hear, how would they believe? 
we need to open our mouth and speak. And if you cannot speak, you can at least give this away. You can at least read a footnote to them. And let the word of God work in them. And there will be those who will be desirous, who will be hungry. And we would afford to them a pure kind of shepherding and care. Not in a way of roping them in, not in a way of proselytizing. Don't go around to proselytize. We just go around to give, to give the word, to share these riches with all our, what? Fellow citizens, with all the humanity around us. You just don't know who is next to you. You just don't know what this person have just been through. You don't know these things. The Lord knows. Our job is just to speak. To say something to them. Use the tracks. Use all means to speak these riches, to share these riches with those around us. Amen? Amen. Mid-Atlantic churches? I heard you had a very good GTCA experience recently. Right? And this morning the brothers told us about What is that town you're in? Manassas. You know Manassas in Northern Virginia? And now we have some some saints who live in Manassas. And now they they are doing all kinds of things to uh, contact people with the truth. And and pretty soon they will have some home meetings there. And I am especially burdened that they will be there to gain not the Asians, because we have a lot of them, <laughs> but to gain the other ones. The Caucasian Americans, the African Americans, the Hispanic Americans. Amen? Amen? They are still the large percentage. Actually, you add those three people together, it's 95% of the citizenry in the USA. It's time. Dear saints, so this afternoon I'm taking longer than what the time that is given to me. We should go to eat, right? It's already at 5.30? Huh? It's past 5.30. Okay. I'm sorry. I better stop. Pray and go. With all boldness. It's time. Amen. Amen. Amen.